Hi, you're listening to audio from Rock Hill Church. To check out more resources, please visit rockhilllawrence.com. Thank you for joining us. Debbie and Dustin, I'm so excited about studying the book of John, both at Rock Hill and in my personal life. Hmm. And, you know, Jim asked if we would do a podcast just to introduce the book of John. And I was like, I'm in. This is exciting. And I immediately thought of who do I want to do this with? And it was the two of you. So I'm really excited about the opportunity we have. And we're just going to go through some questions that just maybe set a context, but I hope more than anything, really portray our love for this book, because this is a great book. Mm -hmm. It is a great book. Yeah. Yeah. So let's jump in. And and, and so so who is Jesus? Who is John? What, What do we know about him? Yeah, John, he was one of Jesus' 12 disciples. He was one of the inner three that got to hang out with Jesus um, even more than the 12. He was the son of Zebedee. He, he had a brother, John, and the two of them got to be fishermen before the call of Jesus on their life. Uh, yeah, John would go on to be one of the, the pillars of the Church of Jerusalem and then you know, help plant churches in the the area of Ephesus. So uh, that's where we get this book from. He wrote from Ephesus, and he was he was a man that really loved Jesus and walked with him. So mm-hmm. that's who John is. Yeah. And you forgot the most important part. He's faster than Peter. <laughs> <laughs> so like in John twenty, when it tells the story of his resurrection and them running to the tomb, you know, he points out three times. He's, he's faster. Fa- he's faster yeah. than Peter. Yeah. I love that. Clearly important information. Well, and John's unique because there's a lot of personality that mm-hmm. comes out in this book. And, and I, I think, you know, as we explore it, that's one of the things we'll see compared, mm-hmm. especially with Matthew or Mark or Luke. Mm-hmm. John has a different agenda. So, you know, Debbie, when when was this book written? Mm-hmm. Uh, and, and, uh, and Dustin covered a little bit to whom, mm-hmm. but when? Because I think that comes into the story. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so this book, um, which you'll we'll talk about in a minute, is quite different than the other Gospels. And a lot of that has to do with the time period in which it's written. So um, the other Gospels were written earlier, probably around 50 to 70 AD, um, whereas John was written later in the life of the Apostle John, who was, um, to our knowledge, the oldest surviving Um, disciple of Jesus. And so it was written closer, you know, they think somewhere after the destruction of the temple around 70 AD, between that and 100, probably closer to 100 AD. So um, he was an old man writing this book, which means he'd had a lot of time of years of um, ministry and reflection on the life of Christ as he was telling the story of Jesus. Mm -hmm. Um, And so he has a lot of time to reflect on who Jesus is and how this story is told. Um, and yeah. so it, we'll talk about it in a minute, it comes out a little bit um, different. Um, at this time too, you know, he is also countering some false teachers at the time. So you see True. this real theme of um, Jesus's divinity, but also his full humanity come to the surface again and again. Um, And you can tell he's kind of wrestling with some of the false teachings that have arisen by this point um, about who Jesus is. Um, So it's a really rich, thoughtful book in a lot of ways. 
Um, I like that. Yeah, and if you think about it, you know, like John, like I take it's probably written between 90 and 100, mm-hmm. which makes yeah, it so a little bit later. almost twice as old right. as like Mark, which was written probably before 45 AD. Mm-hmm. So John's had all these reps. He's in his 90s mm-hmm. by now probably. And he, think of how many times he's told the story of Jesus. Mm-hmm. And, and he's, he's refined it. He's, he's really matured in this view of Jesus. And he's telling us a story. He tells us a little bit about why he wrote this book. But he's, he's got a way of telling the story of Jesus that's so much more robust and sophisticated than maybe Mark is. It, it, even though they're telling the same story, it's told in a very different way. And yet, he can still tell it in a way that's very simple and understandable for even the youngest of readers. So, I love that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I remember hearing someone talk about the book of John, that it's, it's simple enough and shallow enough for a child to play in it, but deep enough for a theologian to drown in it. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah. Wow. Well, so, so we were talking a little bit about this. I think, Debbie, you introduced a little bit. You know, John's really different than the other Gospels. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, one of the differences comes right out. He tells us where the other Gospels don't tell us why it was written. John in John uh, twenty thirty one, he actually tells us mm-hmm. why he wrote. He says, these things are written that you may believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, and that believing you may have life in his name. He's the only one who tells us outright, this is why I'm writing this. Mm-hmm. Now, what else do you think it makes this book different? What are some of the things you noticed? Mm-hmm. I think one thing I love about John is you get these lingering narratives of Jesus. Um, whereas Mark, like we talked about in the other Gospels, you get kind of story after story after story. And it's just one after the other. In John, you get kind of these longer narratives of Jesus's conversations with people. So Nicodemus and mm. in John three, the woman at the well in John four, um, you see not just these signs, but you see um, all the fallout that happens and the controversy that happens as a result of these miracles. It's gritty. Um, yes. Yeah. 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 That's great. What else would you add? Yeah. I think that, we just see the contrast in, in the purpose, like you said, John was writing for a theological purpose so that people would believe. Whereas someone like Luke, who's a doctor, he cares about the poor, the oppressed, the sick, and he wants you to see that Jesus did too. Mm-hmm. Um, so there's the main difference, like you said, is, is the purpose behind it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And you mentioned when we were just chatting before this, the sevens. Yeah. Mm-hmm. What about mm-hmm. those? Yeah, John loves the number seven. Mm-hmm. He cares about... Uh, demonstrating the wholeness, the um, the prosperity of, of the number seven, like the seventh day of creation. It was God's completed work, his beautiful work. And mm-hmm. so we see seven I am statements of right. Jesus declaring who he is. And that's supposed to call our memory to God's covenant name when he was speaking with Moses. I am who I am. Yeah. We see the, the seven signs that Debbie was talking about, and they all culminate um, in the, the raising of Lazarus. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah, that's good. Mm-hmm. But I, I know one of the things as I was just thinking about and preparing is, you know, John left out so much that's in the mm-hmm. other Gospels. In, in fact, I, I, I actually looked it up, and, and it, basically one author said, 90% of John mm-hmm. is not in the other Gospels. Mm-hmm. Well, and, and that's, that's really interesting, because think about it. There's no genealogy. 
There's no birth narrative. There's no baptism of Jesus, no temptation. No exorcisms. No exorcisms, right? There's there's hardly any parables. There's no mm-hmm. transfiguration. There's no Lord's Supper institution. Mm-hmm. I mean, there's so much left out of this mm-hmm. book. And yet, we have such a rich picture. And, and you know, that's fine. It, when we think about it, the Gospels weren't meant to be biographies like we mm-hmm. think of them today. Mm-hmm. They, each author had a really specific purpose. And, and obviously, John's was to, to, to basically say, when you look at Jesus, you're looking at God. Mm-hmm. And that's, you know, that's one of those key themes that comes out. Mm-hmm. Anything else catch your eye, Debbie? No, the other thing that really impressed me is um, the presence of the Trinity in John. Um, and especially, you know, as I was studying up for this, it um, one of the authors that I was reading talked about how, you know, Jesus in the book of John addresses God as father uh, like 104 times or something right. like crazy. Um, and in comparison to the other gospels, you know, I think Matthew was the next most with 34. Mark just three times. Hmm. Yeah. yeah um, and so you see Jesus really um, bringing to life the the intimate relationship between God the Father, God the Son, you see the presence of the Spirit. Um, and so you see John really fleshing out um, the importance of the Trinity, the love and unity among the Trinity, the mm. different roles being played out. Um, and that may reflect that later date, too, yes. of more time to think about that theology and start mm-hmm. developing a robust view of the Trinity. Mm-hmm. That's really good. I like that. So how about an outline? I think, Dustin, you were, you were going to throw one out here. What, what's a good outline of John? Yeah, I think we start with, to go in line with his um, mission statement, that Jesus is the Messiah, the Son of God, that by believing you may have life in his name. We start with the pre-incarnate king. If Messiah means anointed king, we're going to start with the, the king before he came to earth, and that's going to be in chapter 1, the first 18 verses. A lot of people call it the prologue. Um, from verse 19 of chapter 1 through the end of verse 12, we get, you know, the incarnate king who is working before the world. He, he's doing his public ministry. Um, after with, with kind of the pinnacle there being the resurrection of Lazarus, right? Yeah. You know, that he's building and building and building and, and all the miracles culminate in the resurrection of Lazarus. And then the book shifts. Yeah, the book shifts and we get, you know, the anointing of the king in chapter 12. And that moves into a a teaching section from chapters 13 to 17, where the incarnate king is now among his disciples. He's among his 12. Um, Chapters 18 and 19, we get the crucified king, where Jesus gives his life to, to save the people of God. And then chapter 20, we get the good news, the resurrected king. So, um... And then 21 is kind of where he wraps up business. Yeah, it's yeah. more like, it's kind of like the, the, pro, the epilogue to match the prologue. Yep. Yeah. Nice. Anything you'd add? Um, I think, you know, I don't know. I, I think that you did a great job of kind of summing up, you know, the, the themes of John um, in the context of, of the king. Um, one thing we were talking about before was was the importance of once you get to um, chapters 11 and 12 um, on the story of Lazarus, you know, you have all of those signs towards the middle of the book building towards this 
huge moment with Lazarus and the conflict that results in that, um, that really causes the religious leaders to target Jesus. Mm-hmm. Um, and then you kind of head into those final hours. So one phrase you hear again and again, Jesus say throughout John is, you know, was it the hour is my hour is not yet come. He says that right. like over and over again right. until he gets to this place where he's headed into Jerusalem. Um, he knows the hour has come um, that he will give his life mm-hmm. on the cross. And, and so John is very intriguing because it's, it, he does like, he's such a great storyteller in like building that climax towards um, the raising of Lazarus and the conflict that results from that. And then these final last books that are like Jesus pouring out his heart to his disciples um, and um, letting them know here's what's coming. Mm-hmm. Um, and then it builds into the the crucifixion and the resurrection. And again, that epilogue, mm-hmm. oh, great prologue and epilogue where he is he is just like laying out such a beautiful picture of um, who Jesus is. And then in the end, like what he has called his followers to, to do and to be. Yeah, I love that. That's really good. Well, well let's pick up some themes. So as, as we're going through the book of John over the next couple of years, what are we going to be looking for for themes from this book? So Debbie, maybe toss one out. Mm-hmm. Well, we've already talked about this some, but I think we get such a um, rich portrayal of the identity of Jesus. Mm-hmm. Um, yep. Again and again, we hear like those I am statements, um, you know, that he has said he's the bread of life and the light of the world and um, the gate for the sheep and the good shepherd. Um the resurrection, the way, the truth, and the life. So much of our understanding of Jesus kind of comes back to those sevens you were mm-hmm. you were talking about. Um, so while you know some of the other gospels focus on focus a lot on the the gospel of the kingdom and inviting people into the kingdom and Jesus's identity as the Messiah, mm-hmm. um, here you get so much of Jesus's identity as as God and who yeah. God is. That's um, good. Yeah. Well, and, and it's kind of a, a really cool thought when you think about there are these really rich metaphors. You just mm-hmm. mentioned a bunch of them in the seven mm-hmm. I am statements. And and so in one sense, they paint a really mysterious and artistic mm-hmm. picture of Jesus because you see he's the light. Mm-hmm. But we, we have to meditate on that to really get it. Well, what in the world does that mean? Mm-hmm. You're the life or the shepherd. So it's these simple stories, but we could spend hours and hours mm-hmm. and hours meditating to get to the meaning. Mm-hmm. Any other themes that come to your mind, Dustin? Yeah, I think one that we overlook a lot is the seven titles of Jesus in chapter one. So yep. John the Baptist gets um, questioned by this Jewish delegation, you know, who are you? I'm not, I'm not the Christ, I'm not Elijah, I'm not the prophet. I'm the voice pointing to this one who is to come. And then the one who is to come is flushed out as Jesus. He's, you know, he's the Messiah. He's the son of God. He's the chosen one. He's the king of Israel. He's the lamb of God. He's the savior of the world. He's the one that Moses wrote about, the prophets foretold. So we get seven different titles of who, who this man is. And then John is going to use the rest of the book to show us that those things are true. To prove it. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Oh, I love that. Yeah. Yeah, that's great. Well, you know, one of the things that was interesting when I was looking at the book of John so 98 times 
the word believe comes out. Mm -hmm. 98 times. And he says that's the purpose of this book that you might believe. Mm. What's interesting, though, is it's never a noun. It's always a verb. Mm. Interesting. So it's active. John is saying, I want you to believe, like the verb believe. I don't want this to be something you hold. This is something you live. It's not a noun mm -hmm. for John. And I, th I thought that's really interesting. And when you look at this, so as we're studying this book as a church, we need to be looking for that word believe because it's going to come up again and again and again. And notice mm -hmm. that John's calling us to believe. He's not acting us to hold some dead faith. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Any other themes come out? There's a lot of repeated words, right? Mm -hmm. Did you catch some of those? What are some of the words that get repeated through this book? Yeah, so in relation to believe, um, the concept of eternal life comes out. So life and death, yes. you get a lot of these contrasts, right? Mm. So eternal life is certainly very central. And of course, you know, I think a lot of us, how many, how many of us, the very first verse we ever memorized in the world is John three sixteen. It's like what you see on billboards all of the time. Um, but that um, concept of eternal life and Jesus being the way, the truth and the life, um, is just permeates the book. Yeah. Um, the resurrection and the life. Yes. Uh, I've come that you may have life. Yes. Yeah, life is repeated again and yeah. again. And I love your point about light and darkness, life mm -hmm. and death. There's there's a lot of those here. Mm -hmm. Any other things? You know, one of them is the word. We talked about that actually in Jim's message about the mm -hmm. word um, and what that means. And that's one of those, again, you got to meditate. What is John doing with that? Because mm -hmm. he's... He's probably drawing on everything from Greek philosophy to the Old Testament. Yeah. And, and I love how rich that is. But, but the word truth is another mm -hmm. one that comes out. Witness, that we're to be witnesses and how many times that comes out. How about any others come to mind? Think of love. Yeah, you know, how do you think of John we, we and have not to think of love? That, right? Because you know? it comes out in his epistles. Yes. Certainly a book of Revelation. Yeah, love, absolutely. Yeah. And then one cool thought to me is abide. Mm -hmm. yes. Now, I love John 15, yes. but, and we'll talk about that in a second, but abiding is another one of those mm -hmm. words. It's used a lot. All right, so one of the things that when we were talking about this as elders, about, and we, we latched on, yes, John, Jim asked this question, and he said, so what, you know, are there chapters or, or passages out of the book of John that have really spoken to you. And we're immediately in the room just peeling off mm -hmm. almost every chapter. But what are, what are some ways that God maybe, I don't, I don't know, Dustin, how about we'll start with you. What yeah. are some ways that God has used this book in your life or, or things that you're just excited to go through as a, a, when we cover them? Yeah, I love John 10 and seeing mm -hmm. Jesus as the good shepherd. He, we do have a good shepherd. Um, one that's going to lead us, protect us, provide for us. One that's going to love us and care for us. You know, he's both the gentle shepherd who will care for a wounded lamb, but he's also the fierce protector that's going to fight away the wolf, the lion, the bear, the robber. And so we just, I feel like, get a, a pretty good metaphor of, of who God is in John 10 that's really been uh, fruitful for my walk with him. That's really good. Yeah. I think especially as a young believer, John 10 was really important for me in, in meditating on that aspect of like him being our protector, you know, and it says, you know, my sheep hear my voice and I know them, they, they follow me. 
um, and I give eternal life to them and they will not perish. No one can snatch them out of my hand, you know? And I love, I loved that image as a young believer to know that I was, I was secure and protected in him. Um, so especially, gosh, I haven't, I haven't quoted that verse in many, many, I don't know, a long time now. So yeah. it's like, not sure it was going to, not sure it was going to be there, but it's gonna roll up. it was close enough at least. So, so <laughs> what, what's interesting, all of us have been impacted by John 10. Yes. Now mine, not as a young believer, but I went through a period where I was really wondering, am I really mm. a believer? Because I don't see this change coming in my life. And I remember camping out in John 10 and coming to the conclusion, Jesus says there, I've got my hand wrapped around you and the Father has his hand wrapped around mine. Mm-hmm. And no one, nothing, mm-hmm. not even you can break me out of this. Mm-hmm. So I, I like John 10 is, is probably one of the most precious passages here. Mm-hmm. Were there others that, that have spoken to either one of you over the years? I love Jesus is on the cross and, you know, the disciple whom Jesus loved, John, is standing next to Jesus's earthly mother. And he goes, woman, this is your son. He goes, John, this is this is your mom. And my father-in-law has this saying that goes, if I'm I'm on my deathbed, the last cell in my body is saying I love my children. And it just painted a picture for me of the last cell in Jesus' body says, I love those near and dear to my heart. I love, I will, that is, that is who I am. And the last cell of me that's living is going to be taking care of those that are in my care, you know. Love it. So that one has been earth shattering. That's awesome something that I have really loved. I've mentioned this, but the portrayals of Jesus and especially his interactions with people. Mm-hmm. Um, I think of the woman at the well and Jesus says some harsh things to her or like pretty blunt, you know? Right. Um, and yet you see, you know, she's not put off by it. So Jesus had a way of like, there was something about his presence and his person that like he could love people so well mm-hmm. that that they felt safe even in those those hard moments mm-hmm. you know and of course he said harsh all kinds of harsh things to yeah. the religious leaders and the well, Pharisees and right but before for the that, people to John 3 right yes. with Nicodemus with same Nicodemus, thing same hard thing. things to this incredible elder in yeah. Israel and yet we see Nicodemus later on helping to prepare the body of Jesus yeah, that's for good. burial and so you see how the impact that he had on people, you know? Mm. And I, I often think of that because I can be, my natural state maybe is to be like, want to hide my imperfections and be perhaps more like fearful of God than, um, than wanting to draw near and be known, I think in my mm. natural state. And so to know, I feel like when I, when I, feel afraid of coming to God. I think of Jesus and the way that he loves people. And I think, you know, that is the way that God loves me. I see Mm. God really convincingly displayed in Jesus and I can trust him with my weaknesses and my failures. (laughs) I love um, that. And I think John would be saying, Debbie, you get it. Yes. Like this is why I wrote this book. That's neat. Yeah, I've always loved, well, I've always loved like John John 11 with the resurrection of Mm -hmm. Lazarus. 
just because we get such a glimpse into Jesus's heart, right? When he just weeps. Mm-hmm. And we're not sure exactly why, maybe, but, mm-hmm. but he was just brokenhearted at mm-hmm. death and Lazarus and Mary and Martha's suffering. Mm-hmm. And I love John 15 with the, oh, the vine John and 15, abiding. so good. You know, and of recent years, that thought of abiding has really become like, where I want to live my life. Like this is, I want this. I want to understand what Jesus is talking about here. And, yeah. and so that, that word abiding and that picture of the, the vine, that just, like, that just puts it together for mm-hmm. me. And then you were talking about your first verse. The first verse I ever memorized, and I didn't grow up in a church, was John 17, 3. And it became a life verse, and John 17, 3 says, And this is eternal life, that they may know you, the one true mm-hmm. God, and Jesus Christ whom you've sent. Mm-hmm. And what I loved about that is it, it told me this is what eternal life is. It's not living forever. It's not doing a bunch of things. It's Jesus and knowing him. So I, I, this, book, this book is just a fantastic mm-hmm. book. It's got a lot of really great stuff in it, for sure. All right. Well, Dustin, do you mind closing us? Man, I would love to. How about praying? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, God, our shepherd, we thank you for this book. We thank you for how you have drawn us to yourself through the words of John and um, through your word. God, I pray that as our church goes through this book, you would be the shepherd that leads us. Um, Mm -hmm. I pray that we would follow step by step in an abiding relationship. I pray that uh, we would get what John is wanting us to get and that it would bring us to become a people who is formed in the ways of Jesus and loves like Jesus did in life and in death. I pray this in Christ's name. Amen. Amen. Thank you all. Yeah. Good stuff. Mm